Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Indie Comic Spotlight Presents Back to the Bibliography, the mm. show where we do a deep dive into old series in our completionist. Oh, I'm going to re- I'm going to add it around that. Where we look no, back right. on old series and our completionist need to see everything through from beginning to end. I am one of your hosts, Tony Farina. She's joined by my international co-host and friend, Jack. We have decided we're going to join forces, join our two shows together and follow from beginning to end the the lovely love. I got to work on this. I haven't written this. I'm riffing this <laughs> to uh, work on the pairing of Brewbreaker and Phillips. And today we're going to do the prequel when Ed met Sean. And we're going to do scene of the crime. Jack, we talked about this on the ADHD cast, so people knew this was coming, but this was Mm. a surprise to us. We weren't going to do Scene of the Crime, but here we are, doing Scene of the Crime. How are you, friend? I'm fantastic, and I can't wait to get stuck into this series. It's been a bit of a time coming since we first decided the concept, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it works. to Yeah, life, unfortunately. Life and nature and Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah, Mother Nature. To get in the way. Yeah. (laughs) But... I'm glad we're doing the, this as a kind of a prequel, actually, because I think it it it's a good standalone book, but oh also really is like the the gateway drug to Brubaker and Phillips, I think. And the the pairing of them, I think we said this before. To be fair, the pairing of them is lovely. The stories they tell, not, not so much. Yeah, but but you and I are both drawn to dark noir. Not only, but we both do like that genre of fiction. We both like a, a tale that takes us on a, a twisty story that develops characters, which Brubaker is an absolute master at. It's unbelievable how it's like it's one of those things where you know how it is. And we both said this kind of jokingly, like, fuck you for being so talented. You, whomever, <laughs> fill in the blank. Like Janelle Monet, fuck right off. How can you also be the most beautiful woman in the world and you can act? And you can sing. And did you mm-hmm. know she put out a collection of short stories last year? I didn't know that. No, so but I won't read them because her. yeah, exactly. How dare she? How dare she? Right. So we're those guys. We're like, and we don't mean that, of course. We're like, and Brew Baker's that way. I mean, he mm. nobody captures flawed characters in, uh, and that's the thing. He's he's hearkening back to the the people who came before him. So I think as we get because scene of the crime is a short story. We're going to talk about it. it's like 112 pages. It's a one yeah. shot. Michael Lark is actually the artist, and he's amazing, Michael Lark, but he is no Sean Phillips. But you see, and that'll be the fun thing to figure out because Michael did the pencils and then Sean mm-hmm. did the inks on this. So after be- issue one, wasn't it? He asked him to come in, is what I read actually. Correct. Yeah. Which is interesting in itself. But we'll, yeah, I'm sure, as you said, we'll, we'll get into that. And you can see it. And you can see it, I think, in the way that the sisters look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and and then you're like oh this is where sean made this choice and so yeah we'll talk about that um but anyway so yes michael lark who was from caliber michael michael clark michael lark and ed <laughs> michael clark not michael clark duncan that's a different nope. guy michael lark and ed came out of caliber right where yep. caliber press is where a lot of people got started 
Yeah, so like, was it like it was Brubaker, it was Bendis? There's a couple of others, weren't there? They were all sort of together at the same. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, Caliber, I, that's where um, the Crow was. Okay, right, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So it was. It, it's this. That's Detroit. Caliber's out of Detroit, and so it's this idea. They were nobodies, a bunch of upstart nobodies, and they. I mean, you think about the things that launched out of Caliber. It's out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew how to find talent, but they didn't have a way to make money off of them. And they've all gone mm-hmm. on to, to other things. Um, but yeah, so this, what I want to talk to you about before we get into so we can have a few minutes. This is going to be a shorter show, folks. We're going to keep it to less than an hour, which is not what Jack and I normally do. But <laughs> time constraints and just the nature of this as a prequel. Yeah. Because it's not really Phillips. It's really Lark. But this is because, you know, if we wanted to do Brubaker, we'd have to go back to low life. And, you know, so which maybe when this is all yeah. over. We'll go back and read Lola. I've not read Lola. Me neither. But goddamn, does it look awesome? Well, I mean, of course it does. Yeah. Because it's fucking Brubaker. God, he's yeah. <laughs> he's so good. But the cool thing is, so anyway, let's talk about Nora. You mm-hmm. write it. I read it. Mm. What is it that you like? Why do you like this kind of thing? And what is it about Noir that continues to live? And is it, can it evolve? And is Ed Brubaker mm. the guy who makes it evolve? Mm. I, I think it's questions. yeah. I think it's two things that well, two things that draw me to Noir. I think it's what you said at the start. It's flawed characters. It's characters who are broken and get a bit fixed during the story, but not necessarily completely fixed. And they do that by wholeheartedly throwing themselves into a into a mystery and that total commitment. And I think. I, I, I'm really drawn to those kind of characters. I mean, it's not noir, but you know, Die Hard is my favorite movie of all time. John McClane is could exist in the noir world, but he is a flawed character who wholeheartedly throws himself into a situation to get but himself the book out. That so it comes from it is a noir. Well, that's fair to say, actually. Yeah. The detective is, yeah. and then um whatever this one was called, something about dying. Yeah, nothing lives nothing lasts forever. Nothing lasts. I've read them both and I can't. Me, even remember. I've read, yeah, yeah. They're not great, but they're no. total, they're total noir. I get why they mm-hmm. made them into movies. Like Sinatra plays the character is in the first yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's personally what draws me to it. And then in terms of the genre, I think it is evolving, but I think it will always have its roots in where it started. I think to be a noir, it does need to have certain elements, doesn't it? And I think Brubaker has evolved it. And, you know, much like we've discussed with other talented writers or filmmakers, be it comics, books, you know, TV film, you know, like Ryan Johnson made Brick. He wrote that as a, as a noir novel originally, and then that turned it into a screenplay and then he turned it into a film. So that's a high school set noir movie that hits all the beats, but does it in an entirely fresh way. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. So yes, I think it can evolve, but I think, it, it does have to adhere to some strict rules in order to qualify as a noir where perhaps other genres kind of and kind of evolve and leave those things behind. So I think that's important for us to discuss because as we're going through this, Ed and Sean, this is the thing, guys. So Ed, if you're like Brubaker, that name sounds familiar. Yes, that's the guy who said, oh, you wanted Bucky Barnes to stay dead? Wrong <laughs> answer. So he... Because The Winter Soldier is technically a crime thriller. It's not a noir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And so I think it's important for us as people who are going to follow Ed and Sean through their career, they're writing noir the mm. whole time. Sometimes mm. it's a Western. Sometimes it's crime. Mostly it's crime noir. Yeah. But it is different. It's, sometimes than it's it. supernatural. Yeah, sometimes, yeah, but it, yeah, but it's always noir. So why is yeah. that then? So like I'm in my middle of my Robert Parker read along and I've just finished mm. up the um his Westerns. He wrote four Westerns. There's another one too that he wrote a wider book, which I'll probably do next because I just finished the Hitch books, the Hitch and, and um, Cole books. And those are Westerns, but they're still crime fiction, but he mm-hmm. does not write noir. And so, but he earned his, literally earned his doctorate writing about that. Like he earned his PhD in literature, studying crime fiction and noir. So as a person who writes it, and as a person who doesn't. So please explain to people why noir is slightly different than crime fiction and slightly different than detective fiction and how it pulls both of those together to make its own thing. In your own words. I mean, it's not like this was planned. No. Everybody just threw this at him. You're welcome. Yeah. Classic Tony. Um, <laughs> and then you'll get the classic Jack long silence. That's that you can, okay. You can, you can edit out as, as the cogs <laughs> slowly is. start whirling. let's think so detective fiction i think can be about any detective kind of it can be a police it can be a private dick it can be so i think that that's where i put detective fiction i would say that that has a much broader scope agreed i think and i think crime thriller can be focused on the bad guys or can be focused on gangsters and perhaps can be more even-handed in how it depicts things. Noir, I think, does need to be down the middle of that, where you have a single protagonist, be it a private eye, it doesn't have to be, but a single single protagonist who gets embroiled, and it doesn't always have to be with a femme fatale, but obviously that is another key feature, that gets embroiled in something much larger than them that they didn't plan for. And I think through their own obsession i think obsession is a key thing like fincher is another guy who's obsessed with noir through their their obsession they find a way to grow past whatever has been their their bumping point their barrier and i think that when i wrote my i don't know if, yeah like noir crime fiction that's the place i came from i had a character who i know is broken in certain ways and even in this book which you know you've read is yet to be released upon the world i know why he's broken and i know his backstory but it's not revealed in this first story there's hints right but in this story he manages to grow past a certain point because of the events he goes through so i think for me that's what makes something more of a noir than it would do a detective or a crime thriller i agree i totally agree and i think so like and the thing is too i think with a noir because you mentioned the broken and the flawed nature of the person there's this Mm. they they stumble. And I think mm. with the Spencer, as I reread all the 40 Spencer books that Robert Parker wrote, the first four books are noir. Mm-hmm. And then Susan shows up and then it changes. And you're like, oh, okay. It's going to be something different now because he's got his main squeeze. Mm-hmm. And they go through shit and they like fall apart and they cheat on each other and they do whatever. But the last 20 books of the series, they are together. Mm-hmm. And Nothing can, and the like men throw themselves at Susan because she's the most beautiful woman in the world, and women throw themselves at Spencer because he's got hot pants or whatever. But the whole point <laughs> is, and they like, you know, make jokes about that. 
But it's and it's like when they get to the point in the series where they quit aging, where they stop it, and they're like both like fifty four or whatever, and they quit aging, and they've written out the fact Parker wrote out the fact that Spencer was in Korea was a Korean War vet. They like to write mm-hmm. around that. They they quit mentioning that. Then he doesn't age sure. anymore. That's when it becomes a crime thriller and becomes detective fiction because there's no because that's missing. He's whole mm-hmm. now. His whole thing is to protect Susan and protect his family, protect his best friend Hawk, protect his dog Pearl. So there's things that are victims, but the femme fatale that's gone. Nobody, yeah, can yeah. Him. Every book, somebody's trying. Men, women, everybody's trying to get in his pants. People hit on him constantly, and he's just like, "Sorry, I got to go home." To-. And he'll even say, "The girl of my dreams." And then they'll like make fun of him for being hokey, and he'll quote some poem, and then we'll move on. So that it changes. And so it's funny to read the reviews, other people's reviews, when he makes the change from noir to detective fiction to mm-hmm. just regular crime thriller. People are like, or to crime thriller, sorry, to detective fiction. People are like boring. When they get to the detective, because you see it the whole time. It's, he's always the protagonist. It's in first person from his perspective. Everything's fine. And then he went over here. He's writing the Jesse Stone books where Jesse's like nailing everybody. That's more <laughs> noir, right? Like every day yeah. there's another woman who comes in and Jesse's like, hey, baby. There's lots of gratuitous sex and and they don't like, it's not graphic, but it's there. So all of that is here and what, and that's part of the thing too. So I just think, and again, so you're like, listener, you're like, well, why do you two guys like that stuff? That's gross. It's because the the drinking and the, and the, and the sex and the cheating and all, we don't do those things. What we're seeing in those people is like a, a path, it's kind of a warning this is how i see it anyway i don't want to speak mm-hmm, for you. Mm-hmm. it's kind of like a warning like don't do this but it's also like no matter how shit bad shit is in your life you're not in an award book right yeah like, yeah sure things could be worse and so it's kind of um schoidenfrata a little bit but it's also mm-hmm. like this i can relate because i felt i'm yeah. three days i've been three days away from being this guy in my life and i know mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's what it takes to love noir, to be like, to have been like somebody who's born with a silver spoon in his or her mouth probably doesn't read more, right? You got to be sure. from a certain background and have experienced shit in your life too, right? It's written to a certain audience. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess, you know, it comes back to the Joker thing, doesn't it? You know, one one bad night and that can totally change your path. I agree with that. S- certain things are popping up in my head as you're talking. Things yeah. like, I've not actually ever read the Reacher books, but having experienced, you know, kind of the reach of movies. Like, he he exists in a crime thriller, but he could never be in a noir because he's always going to win the fight. He's always going to... Because he's a monster. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, of course, in a noir, the good guys don't always win. And, in fact, quite often... They get the, the case, shit kicked out of them. Yeah, or the case isn't solved or not satisfactory or somebody will get away and the wrong person... So, absolutely. So, I think I agree with all of everything you're saying. And... I guess noir is like the crime version of dystopian fiction. Oh, brilliant. The idea of like that that warning sense, I suppose, like but from on a character level, perhaps. Dystopian fiction is like, this is shit in society. Don't let this happen. Or like, don't let's get any worse, because most of the time it's already happening. I guess noir is like, yeah, okay, you've had a bad week and you're drinking a lot on a Friday, but don't keep doing it every day because <laughs> you're turning into this guy. No, it's true. It's totally true. No, I think that's I think that's very sad. So it's um, so that is our setup, everybody. That is what why we like Phillips and Brubaker. Mm. And 
So this, when Ed meets Sean, our prequel series, is <laughs> called Scene of the Crime. And it is a story of a man called Jack, who is a private detective, who is missing one eye. Love that, right? I mean, that's yeah. one of the nice noir things is that there's something up with the guy. He's got a drinking mm-hmm. problem. He's got a broken hand. He's blind in one eye. He's missing an eye. Um, and, the, you know, we'll talk about Lark and Phillips' art with the eye and the way that's drawn and how how it's done in the perfect way. Um, anyway, so he's a private detective. His uncle, who's raised him, Newt, is a crime scene photographer. And they live in Los Angeles. And he's got a best best friend, air quote, who's a better mm. better than him and everything, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I kind of love. I love that he just sh- Steve. He just is like shows up and Steve's it up, and he's like motherfucker. Um, I love the fact that there's no mention of him, and suddenly one panel it's like, oh, Steve's about, and he's going to help me out. And then, as you said, he walks in and he's like sharper, smooth, like yeah. more, more, yeah, absolutely, like more styled. Like I've got all these contacts. I don't like absolutely. He's dressed yeah, like Philip Marlowe. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Jack calls it out. He's like, yeah, actually, he is better than me in every way. He's just quite happy to own that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally acknowledges his own bullshit, which mm. I love. And he's, of course, down on his luck. He was a former drug addict and former alcoholic. And he lost his eye in an accident where his father was killed in front of him. His his mm. father's car. His father was a police detective. And that's, I think, also part of the noir thing is that you get into it because of a reason. It's not just like... Yes. I want to like Steve. The reason Steve isn't in a noir, Steve's in a different book because Steve's mm. like, I just did this because my friend Jack said it'd be fun. His life yeah, is he's fun. he's in detection fiction. Yeah. Correct. Right. That's exactly. <laughs> and Jack is the noir. He's the terrible fighter. He gets his ass kicked constantly. <laughs> he does, yeah. It's like great. a drunk asshole beats him up in this book several mm. times. He gets hit in the face. So Anyway, a story unfolds. There's a dame and she comes into his office and his friends set him up. And there's always like bad friends in war. Like mm. everybody always says, don't be best friends in Shakespeare, but also don't be best friends in war. Right. Why do you Definitely. think that's so important that Steve isn't his best friend? This cop, what's his name? Reynolds is his. So friend. he's like a surrogate father figure, isn't he? So he was his dad's partner. Yeah. And he sort of took him under his wing to an extent that we kept checking in on him, didn't he? Yeah. When um, when the, the car bomb happened with his yeah. dad. And as we're just going full spoiler, we're jumping about. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to spoil the fuck out of it. Go ahead. So as we find this out, is, the car bomb was book, meant this for... This is a 22-year-old book. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Okay. The car bomb was meant for, for him, wasn't it? Yeah. And the dad was borrowing the car. So we have this weird twist of fate where he feels like he owes Jack something. And that is to check in enough. And yeah, he throws in this case, doesn't he? Because he doesn't want his affair with this young woman to be revealed to his wife and to the force. So he passes her off to, to Jack. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then Jack, of course, enlists Steve, who shows up out of nowhere. And yeah. his uncle, whom I love. Yeah, he's amazing, isn't he? He deserves he, his own series. He really does. He is. This is the beautiful thing about Brubaker's writing. It's Newt is the star of this series if it's written 20 years. Like, there's a prequel series to this where Newt's the star, mm-hmm. right? And he's a crime scene photographer, isn't he? Yeah, he's a crime scene photographer who who has created a, a museum, a, a museum. Art gallery, I suppose. Art yeah. gallery called The Scene of the Crime, which is the name of the book, which is then the name of the art gallery, where people come in, and there's, like, people come in and fanboy over Newt. Like, those yeah, things yeah. wander in. 
And it's so funny because it's that idea of being close to fame. Like Jack doesn't think anything of it. This is my uncle. And this is his longtime girlfriend, Molly. And these are my parents. They raised me. Mm. And they're hysteric. Molly's funny. Everybody's great. Like he he catches their sense. But then people come in and they're like, is he going to be here today? And oh my God, I can't believe it. And he's like just in the back. And Molly totally lies to his face. And <laughs> the guy's like, okay, I'm just going to hang around just in case. So he's this famous guy that he can't understand because it's just his uncle newt who goes on stakeouts with him and falls asleep while he's eating a sandwich yeah and it's he's such a well-developed character and so talk about what you think why is it and the reason i think i want to hang on newt for a second and reynolds but mostly newt what is it that brubaker does that's better than us that's better than everybody to capture all that stuff i just said is shown not told why mm-hmm. does how does he do it how do I read this again just just last night. Yeah, I read it two days ago. Yeah. Okay. So, and I've read it before, of course. You've read it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read it again. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing? Why is he better at this than me? What is he doing? Like every like specifically with Newton Molly, like you under. And of course, Jack talks and he tells mm-hmm. us things, but it's not just Jack talking that makes me understand them. What is it that Brubaker does in particular? Do you think? You know, because again, the emotional punch. If you're of a certain age, you don't know who Bucky Barnes is, but when he brings mm-hmm. Bucky Barnes back, he makes that matter. Yeah, his I comic book is the basis yeah. for the best Marvel movie, right? And sure, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, and he just kind of jumped into that. They just he didn't invent Bucky Barnes, but he made Bucky Barnes matter. What is he doing? I can't speak to that, but well, I mean, I, I could on a different podcast, but um, yeah. somebody <laughs> did a much better job probably than I would have done with Max on his <laughs> mandatory Marvel episode on that of course yeah but um i think it's the little moments i mean i would say this book is is fairly text heavy sure compared to some later brubaker stuff particularly and i guess we'll see that journey as well and he even acknowledges it doesn't he in his own afterward which i think is really interesting he like looks back and he's like oh god i filled the page of words but um also he's writing a very classic noir here which is narrative heavy or narration heavy i should say narration heavy and the letterer deserves a fucking award yeah because it doesn't ever feel overwhelming ever it's so good yeah but i think in terms of these two characters particularly there's little moments where jack will perhaps say something in his narration but the way they are performing in the scene in the panels totally sells it so he drops in the line about the fact they've been engaged for 18 years but they're never going to get married and then they're having like a bicker in the backgrounds over like really insignificant things and it's really heartwarming and endearing and they feel alive as characters he's also just like i mean this in the nicest possible way not quite as it sounds he's like a loyal dog Mm. like jack is a complete fuck up yeah and he clearly has done everything he can and will continue to do everything he can to support this guy as you said like going on stakeouts getting him in through back doors that he shouldn't really be helping him get in through. He's like sticking his neck up for him over and over and using his credentials and his like cachet that he's built up over 50 years or whatever it is. I think, I think they say at one point he's 68 or something, don't they? Yeah, so, 68. Yeah. So his whole, yeah, over almost his whole career. Years. Yeah. So, and he's using that to help Jack to solve cases or to get into places. So I think all of that makes him such a, a lovable, endearing and, and real character, a tangible character. Yeah, and it's so and 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 again, like you said, he needs his own spin-off series because he in a different universe, he's the star of this show. 
Mm-hmm. And he and Molly's awesome. Like she's got her whole life. And it just what like what Brubaker does is, and even like the friend, the bat friend, air quotes, the former partner of his dad, mm. he's got a whole backstory. Like you don't see his family, but they talk about him. And he's cheating mm. on his his family with this younger, this woman. Much, Maggie. much younger. Yeah. Yeah, who's much, no, much younger. M- Maggie's this younger sister. Oh, Maggie's yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And so He's a tool. And so, again, in a handful of words, mm-hmm. he shows up, he gives us everything we need. And I think that's what noir also does. It's like a good noir thriller, a good noir book doesn't have to be long. Mickey Spillane didn't write 80,000 word novels. Like, that's yeah, what yeah. I do. He was like, no, no, fuck that. Every my camera book is like 45,000 words and I'm going to punch you in the balls. Spencer, and again, while Robert Parker doesn't really write, write nor he's still just like, I, I don't, the interviews with the people who've taken over writing Parker's book since he's died, they've all said how hard it is to write like mm-hmm. him, because they're like, the economy of words, that motherfucker, <laughs> you know, and, and again, Brubaker looks back on this and says I'm super wordy, and, and again, that's the transition into how Phillips comes into play Yeah, over Lark. Is because in this case, it's Ed Brubaker writing a story that Lark and Phillips finish. Going mm-hmm. forward, it's a Brubaker Phillips story. Yes, true. That's very true. Yes. Right. And yeah. so, so what is it that Lark does here? And again, when we get to next, when we do this next month and we do Sleeper Volume One, mm-hmm. um, and we see Phillips take over, and it does get less wordy. And then Sleeper Volume Two, have you read Volume Two yet? No. A little less wordy. And then obviously, when you get down, like, Pulp, you're like, there's eight words in Pulp. <laughs> <laughs> but how is this book so fucking amazing? I don't even understand. Um, which obviously we get to have a whole conversation about the word Pulp in that one, as yes, opposed to yes, more. It, It'll be a whole yes. different thing. So anyway, what is it that Lark does here to support what Brubaker's doing? And like you said, it's word heavy, but it's supposed to be narrative heavy. So mm-hmm. so how do you think Lark gets out of Brubaker's way? Because a lot of times we always say on this show, the art, the writer needs to get out of the artist's way. But I feel mm. like with this, reading it this this other this most recent time, Phillips and Lark get out of Red's way. I think they do, and I think I'll be honest. I do. I like the art in this. I don't love it. Yeah, I agree. I think he's good at creating a world and good at creating an atmosphere within a noir scenario. So you know your shutters and your Chiroscuro light, you know, your, your contrasts are black and white. I think he's good at that. I'm not. So I, I think that's what he brings to it. So let's focus on the good to begin with. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the narration and the bubbles and the words that people are saying are, are the star of this story. I think the, the structure of the story is the star and the multiple layers of storytelling that's going on. You have Jack on this mission, but as you said, we've got Molly who's doing doing this and her part comes in quite quickly but 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 her story continues past her death um and then as you said you've got you've got uh the the old policeman friend you've got the backstory of jack you've got the i can't think what the name of the family is but you've got the family's background um you've got the weird sex cult the luna they're called yeah the luna cult yeah so you've got all these different stories going on at the same time so i think his handle on that is is the absolute star of, of this comic i think lark 
creates a world for this story to exist in what i and and i think the background and the what i would call like i don't know if it's the same in comics like the mise-en-scene so the the framing and what he chooses to put in the frame that the character in i think really really works i don't think his art for people is anywhere near as strong as phillips okay that's the question is when you start to see the sisters that's when you can tell like in issue two Uh, who's who you can tell they're different right yeah you can't tell in issue oh i see they, they, from the inking on yeah the, yeah right yeah right is is that from issue what like in issue what and again i know they're sisters and so they're supposed to look alike but like mm-hmm. there's the picture that jack is holding of maggie and he's like oh she's just my type those sad eyes and all this other stuff and then there's yeah. a frame there's a picture when you're meeting the sister who hires him mm-hmm. alex is her name and um they look really indistinguishable. And mm. then it's only later when you see Newt's photo of them as children that you really realize, oh, they're not twins. Mm-hmm. But you would think that. But when Phillips takes over as the inker, they look different. Yeah. they You can start to tell these are different people. And, mm-hmm. I, and again, Lark is fine, but it's... It, you can see why it becomes Brubaker and Phillips, not Brubaker and Lark. Yes. And yeah, I, I, we're not here to talk shit about him. He's just no, talented. No, Michael Lark's amazing. In his own right. And um, they worked together, didn't they, in Gotham Central, Brubaker and Lark. Yeah, yeah. And that I, is, that I, is, and a, that is a brilliant comic. Too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, but that, that particularly is a brilliant comic run. Of course, it's operating in the crime fiction world of Gotham. But, right, um, of course. But it is good. And I think his art does suit there the story he's telling mm-hmm. i think here we just need you know we, we spent most of the start of this podcast talking about how important characters are to noir mm-hmm. and how they're, they're the things that bring the story to life we need to invest in them we need to see them as people whether they're small and we say we do get that through the character of um is it newt sorry through his character so yeah yeah i, I just think that's the only drawback really that yeah to begin with it, it's just a little the characters feel a little bit flat. I don't know if that's the right term. It is. I think that is exactly. Yeah. And I don't mean two D and three D. I just mean they don't. They don't really pop as people. Whereas later on, they 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 seem much more alive. Especially after Jack gets the ship beat out of them. I just and again, I yeah. feel like that's when you can see Phillips all over it. After the end, when when he and Steve go and they break up the cult and there's the whole orgy yeah. party, whatever, and he gets the ship beat out of him like badly the after the hospital scene Mm. is amazing and i gotta say this is phillips because there's not much for lark to do in those scenes because it's just sketching Mm -hmm. when jack comes to and we see the world from his perspective yeah and he's all it's all blurred like that is some fucking next level oh yeah yeah when he wakes up in the hospital He's waking up, yeah, and the people are standing. No, oh no, 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 no! When he's waking up inside the lunar compound, yeah, yeah, and he—that is fucking brilliant. That is next yeah. level. And again, the colors. Noel Giddings did the colors in this, and she deserves a clap, slap on the back. And obviously, I've already mentioned that letters. Willie Schubert did the art letters, and because you can always tell when it's inside Jack's head and when there's talking, it's really great, mm. great, great lettering. But I think that is the moment with the two sisters' faces, and then that moment when mm-hmm. jack wakes up when i was like that's sean those were yeah. the two places when you first see alex's face framed in the mm-hmm. exact same way that nicole's face is framed in that opening picture 
Yeah. And it's like that you could, and the first time they did that, it, they, they couldn't tell who was who other than the hair was shorter. And then I'm like, oh, there's subtle differences mm. in the eyes. Because he told us to look for that. So of course I looked, but then I went back again. So I definitely think you can see them work together. And again, he and Lark worked on other things together, rightfully so. But I think, like you said, Lark works better in a world that is full of superheroes and not a world of this. A world of people who kind of look more of the same, like everybody in Gotham yes. kind of has the same gaunt, gross, everybody's sad look. And of course that's happening here, but Newt isn't sad. And Molly's definitely not sad. Hmm. You know, and so I just think it just doesn't work. But anyway, I, I just, that to me is the moment when it changes and it changes the story for better. I think issue two on when Phillips comes in, it works better. It does. And I think it takes real... Um... What's the word I'm searching for here? Magnanimous, maybe it's very magnanimous of Lark to get out of his own way to say, like, actually, I need Phillips to come in. Like, he's going to make this better. I think that's amazing. It makes me think of um, the Invincible comic run, mm -hmm. the Robert Kirkman comic run. So he co-created that with a guy called Corey Walker. And I think they did the first five issues, the first complete volume together. And then a similar thing happened. Corey Walker was like, I, I don't think I can keep up with this. I don't think I'm bringing my best work. So another artist called Ryan Otley came in and it's massively noticeable. The kick up a gear is like not again, not to talk ill. Actually, I read one of my favorite issues of comics ever is Invincible issue number five, which was drawn by Corey Walker. But I think that, that yeah, the level up when Ryan Otley comes in is quite significant. I think the same is here is true for Phillips. I agree. I think um, obviously he's only inking, isn't he? Lark is still drawing, mm -hmm. but again, we're in a noir world where the inks and the contrasts, the lines, really, the, really the sharpness matter. of a line, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it really does matter. And it's um, Sam Lotfi, guest of friend of the show, Sam Lotfi, mm -hmm. um, told he has been doing, he's got his own show, he's got his own book coming out to Boom Studios, by mm -hmm. the way, in January, he'll be back on the show. He Amazing. and I've already talked about it. Yeah. Um, so pretty excited for Sam that he's got a new, he's drawing a book. Um, but anyway, he did a couple of the DC YA books as mm -hmm. he was just called the setup artist. And so um, they were new pe people new to the comic book realm. They were animators or, or like uh, portrait painters or different things, but they were moving into the comic book world. So Sam read the script and set it up. He made the frame, he framed it. So he's like, he was like essentially the cinematographer of a comic nice. book. He came sure. in, he framed it, he roughed it where the things would go and told them how to position it. And then somebody else came in and drew over the top of it. And so he's still listed as an artist on these mm -hmm. books, but you can look at it and know, cause Sam's got a very distinct style, as you know, but he, you can look at it and know it's not like, cause I can look at the Sam lot, the original and like, oh, that's Sam. These you couldn't tell. But like once he told me he was doing that, I'm like, what a cool. And again, as a guy who's, you know, doing the IDW Titans covers, he did the last step. He's, you know, he doesn't need yeah, to yeah. that. He worked. I mean, I'm in a book with his cover on it, for God's mm -hmm. sakes. He mm -hmm. worked for Julian Darius, for goodness sakes. Anyway, he but the fact that he could get out of his way. So I do think it says it's pretty cool that in the art world, they're willing to know where they're good and where they're not good. Yeah. You know, where you're like, I got to move. I got to go. Can't do this. You know, so I think that's really important. Um, and I think it does make 
and I'm sure Lark looks back on his time with Ed and he still has worked with Ed and it's like, okay, cool, but I can't do what Sean does anyway. And you don't want to think you can do that, right? No. Like with um when Justin Greenwood took over for Stumptown, and I've had Justin on the show, you know, he's a friend of Seth's, but it's it's a totally different book, those last two. It's mm-hmm. the same, you know, Ruka's still writing it. You hear Ruka's voice, but they look so different. And instead of him coming in in volume three, and I'm like, I'm going to try to do exactly what they did before. He's like, if you want me to come in, I got to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I think you can see where Lark, Lark's influence on Phillips is here. But Phillips is Phillips, right? Yeah. He's not trying to just be Michael Lark. No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. And I think, I don't know what, what editions are out there, but in the one that I've got, and I don't know if it's the same that you've got, you have the pages at the back, don't you? Yeah. And I think they're they're a celebration of a collaboration, I think. Yeah. And, but they do highlight the difference in. Oh, I just try not to use insulting words, but it, you know the, the the upgrade, if you like, between what it looks like as penciling, and then what it looks like as as being inked. I think is really, really stark at the back of this book. Whereas if we look at Sleepor or when we look at Criminal, if they've got anything similar, I don't think you'll find a leap from the pencils of to course. the inking being quite so large. Because it's the same guy and it's the same style. And it is, it's like yeah. when you're inking someone else's pencils, you're trying to pay homage to that. You got to be respectful of what that person drew, but you're also like, well, yeah, why, I'm here for a reason. Yes, yeah. It's just like coloring. Colorists, Color artists, it's an art. Mm -hmm. And some people are bad at it. We've seen, and like when we talk to, uh, like Danny did her own coloring. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she's like, fuck that. You know, I mean, when you think about how Coffinbound works, because Danny knew what she was getting, what she was doing. Mm -hmm. And I think some artists want to color their own stuff and some are like, it's okay to get out of my own way and let somebody else do it. Because you're trusting someone to this thing you did. And in this, yeah, I just think it's an excellent collaboration. And I, I love the opening. I'm sure this is in the version you have. Brian Michael Bendis says this is his favorite Ed Brubaker book. Mm-hmm. It is not my favorite Ed Brubaker book. No. Why do you think it? And again, I am not here. We try not to be negative on Indie Comic Spotlight presents back to the bibliography. Of course, since we're doing Brubaker and Phillips, we'll be very hard pressed to say anything <laughs> negative. But in general, we don't like to be negative on this show. We've passed on covering some comics because we didn't want to be negative to people. Mm-hmm. I am not a Brian Michael Bendis fan. I don't feel the same way about him that our good friend Matthew B. Lloyd feels, but I'm not a big mm-hmm. fan of Brian Michael Bendis. With all of that said, knowing what, and I don't know where you stand on Bendis. And again, we're not here to, we're not trying to you know mm-hmm. kill him. We're not trying to Julius Caesar Bendis. Why do you think, but knowing what you know of Bendis, why do you think this is his favorite Brubaker? What is it about Bendis' sensibility and folks who like Bendis who would also like it? Like, what about this makes hmm. this his favorite? Do you think? It's interesting, isn't it? I think I think probably the personal connection, the personal touch is really important for them hmm. to have been coming through at the same time and for this to have been the launch pad for Brubaker. Probably Bendis saw it early or was part of the process or like hmm. maybe the idea. That probably means a lot to him. There's a couple of Bendis things I do really like. I do really like the initial run of Powers, mm, which is a, a noir crime story with oh, nice. superheroes. So of course, he invented does, Miles, and of course he invented Miles. And the, yeah, the early <laughs> stuff of Miles is absolutely wonderful. It is. So 
he, you know, that, uh, but he, he is much more of a normally much more of a flamboyant, grandeur writer, isn't he? But I think looking looking at having read Powers, it's been a few years now since I read Powers, but that that is that hundred percent working in the noir world, and I would imagine was maybe inspired by his friendship and by what he's seeing every baker doing. So perhaps, oh, shall I say this? Perhaps Brubaker is doing some of the things he maybe wished he could have been doing if he'd gone down a different path. And this might be one of those things. I Honestly, that's exactly brains. We didn't plan this, people. My problem with Bendis is that Bendis, he gives you and gives you. And the reason those early Miles books are so good is because he's mm. developing the world and he gets mm -hmm. out of his own way. And we focus on Miles being a person, being a kid. Yeah. And so, but what Bendis does now, modern day Bendis, is he gives you that and he gives you that and you're like leaning in and you're like, gimme, gimme. And then for no fucking reason, he'll give you four splash pages of a fight scene that is out of place. Like you mm -hmm. said, flamboyance, but trust yourself to tell a story. I think, I mean, I will never forgive Bendis for naming Tim Drake's superhero named Drake forever. <laughs> okay. But then he had the courage to make fun of himself in the pages mm -hmm. of that of the Wonder Comics. He drops Stephanie. Spoiler shows up in those books, and she cannot let it go. Which, of course, she wouldn't. Like my my Stephanie is Stephanie Brown is would never let Tim Drake go for, and my Tim Drake would never name himself Drake. That's all mm -hmm. I'm saying. But you can't be the smartest person in the DC universe and then name yourself your last name. No. Okay. Not if it's meant to be a secret identity. 100%. But, but, so at least he was willing to make fun of himself for there. But what mm -hmm. Bendis does so well and what he does with Miles, and I've not read Powers, so I need to go read that. And I assume this is part of it is that the reason we talked at the top, Noir works because it's character driven, is he, in those Wonder Comics, the, the Titans and Wonder Comics, he would give us like 20 amazing pages of this, like Bart and John and Tim figuring themselves out and like Ginny Hex was in those books and you know she's she's who you think she is she's the <laughs> she's a, a a derivative of Jonah Hex she's a family sure. lineage of Jonah Hex she's a great character she's this like ruffian I really love her and he'd give us this really great stuff and she'd say amazing things and I fell in love with Ginny Hex in those books and then it'd be like oh we haven't done anything so Bart is going to do something stupid Right. Like, okay, we know his name is Impulse. We get who Bart is. We understand. But like, give us the whole issue of this emotional beat. And then you can start, you can end it with a cliffhanger with the battle. And you could start, the, but he just couldn't get out of his own way. And he would break up some amazing stuff. Amazing. So I think he's probably jealous of Ed to be like, mm -hmm. oh, you could just write a whole issue where people just talk. Mm. And it's fucking compelling. Mm. It, and you're massively compelling. And I think, Go on, you finish. Sorry, finish no, no, book. that was just all. I was just like, it, it, it. sometimes people just sitting around talking is awesome, but because Bendis has sold himself to be a superhero writer, yeah, he can't get out of his own way. And so I wonder if it's a pro. Whereas with those with Miles, nobody knew what that was going to be at first. Mm -hmm. Well, you get all the cool Spider action in the early Ultimate Spider Man. Um, it's still just about Miles because with Spider Man, yeah. it's always about the character. The action is secondary. Mm -hmm. 
Whereas with Titans, it's a group comic. Well, it's a group comic. People are sitting around talking. They're trying to not hate each other. It's okay. Mm -hmm. So anyway, sorry, you go. No, I was I was going to agree and back you up. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people sitting or sitting around talking in this, be it they're on a stakeout or be it Jack trying to reconnect with Gwen. And I think there's oh. some wonderfully, the wonderfully handled moments between the those two of those there. Fantastic. Yeah, and I think... Um, the antithesis of what you were just talking about is in this story. And I know sometimes you and I go backwards a little bit on Cormac McCarthy, yep. but he almost writes vignettes that then make up an overall story, particularly in the road, particularly the road more than anything else. More than anything, sure. The little vignettes that then add up to make a story. Here, some of these these like chapters, if, if you want to call them, I think they are called chapters, are like two pages long. Mm -hmm. Another one will be six. And I think this story is is made up of little vignettes of characters interacting and doing things, mostly talking, to solve a mystery, to solve a puzzle. And at the same time, there's the growth and there's the the mystery. And you do get a couple of little fight scenes and you get, as you said, you've got the, the burning of the of the field in the background, don't you, when they're escaping the lunar compound, they burn all the, the weed farm that they've been growing there, <laughs> which is a hilarious moment. Steve's like, I got a little bit high. Yeah. Which is a great line. He is awesome, yeah. Another character that could probably have his own own series. So, yeah, I think it's a shame if that's happened because it it also makes me think a little bit of Mark Miller or Mark Millar. Yeah, but he likes to say Miller, yeah. Again, another guy who started off with not always perfectly done, don't get me wrong, but started off on a small scale with characters who then end up in bigger worlds. And he sort of went went a little bit too far in that direction as well. Maybe it's these people perhaps believing that the hype has put behind them a little bit too much. Baker's had a lot of hype. He's won a lot of awards, but they've always been more on the indie side than they have he been. He got nominated with... for this. Yeah. Yeah. But it's always been like smaller scale, hasn't it? And I don't mean that as a slight. I mean, in terms of like what this show's about, it's celebrating yeah. the indie side of comics rather than it being... And yeah, of course, he's done... Bucky's done Winter Soldier. He's dabbled in the mainstream, and and he's done, as you said, Gotham PD. So he does work in those areas, but he does his best stuff always here. Right. And the next thing we're going to do is him taking. He's living in the Jim Leavers. The next yes, the next two yes. series we do Sleeper Volume One and Sleeper Volume Two, and then we haven't discussed if we're going to do the twelve and twelve, or we're going to do six, 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 and six. I think we did say 12 and 12. 12 and 12. That's what I thought. So we're going to do yeah. two volumes of Sleeper in yeah. Jim Lee's universe. This is mm -hmm. a Wildstorm universe. Um, and he does the prequel to that too, right? Breaker, you know, kind of plays around and then Sean comes in. We're not going to focus on that stuff because I fucking hate Grifter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Jim Lee, I'm sorry. Jim Lee, hallowed be thy name. I don't like Grifter. Um now, I probably like Grifter in the 90s. I just don't like him now. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, but it is interesting to think that, Ed, other than that, like you said, they've kind of owned their own. And I read a thing not that long ago about Ed, and maybe you sent it to me, about Ed and Sean turning down the money from Substack. Did you see that? No, I didn't know. So like Substack, if for folks who don't know, because I didn't know, um, it's a place where you can, writers and creators can make newsletters or whatever, or you can give them away for free. I subscribe to a Substack of a historian because, of course, I do. Has a mm -hmm. But I didn't know it. Was, I just signed up for her newsletter, and then it came through Substack. 
but there's other people who you pay for them. And so Substack um, reached out to the MilkFed to the MilkFed duo of of Kelly Sue and her husband uh, Fraction, and they're doing. Uh, can you imagine? Their kids yeah, are like, right. I don't like them. Too bad. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, the two of them, and, uh, they do a Substack as part of MilkFed, and then um, MilkFed criminals. But that, like Ed and Sean, were were reached out to that, and they they turned it down because it was a place for you to like release your stuff early before it gets published elsewhere. And he's like, we're mm -hmm. fine where we are. We've got this long term deal with Image, and we can do whatever we want. And he wasn't mm -hmm. shitting on Kelly Sue and Fraction, or he's like, they're smart. Take the money. You guys go. You guys are geniuses. I wish I was you. And they're like, we wish we were you, you know, and that's I'm sure how they do. Um, they all live in Portland and they all wish they were each other. But but it's the reason I bring it up is that that they've and that all comes to it. It's like they just made the deal. Like, we're just going to keep it small. Yeah. We're not going to do. We're not we aren't going to. And again, there's nothing wrong. They've lived. They both dabbled in superhero stuff, but they're not doing superhero stuff. They've decided that this is the place yeah. where we're going to live. So we are reaching the end of our time. So here we are to love you, Sean, and to love you, Ed. This is where Sean meets Ed. I'm sure they knew each other before, but it just is like, that's what we're calling yeah. this episode. Um, final thoughts on Scene of the Crime, other than how sad are you that it didn't continue? Yeah, I would have loved to have seen. So this was meant to be the first of a three-part like mm -hmm. story, so, series of stories, doesn't it? Yeah, it would have been great. And I think probably time's gone that it won't be coming back. But we get plenty of other beautiful characters and stories and worlds to to dabble in so yeah and so in a month from now ish sometime and this will come out sometime in november so sometime in december probably you'll hear jack and i talking about or maybe i don't know may not be till january it depends on what i think it'll be january probably yeah we've, we've got a lot going on because we've got a lot going on but eventually this series will start in earnest and we'll then probably in 2012 2023 once a month you'll hear us talking about brubaker and phillips is that true we can yeah. promise that let's promise that yeah once a month in 2023. So this is the prequel. Jack and I've got stuff going on. We're going to talk heat. We're going to talk more and more with our friends, Angry exactly. Andy and yeah. Scott Weatherly. We're going to talk uh, Death Race 2008 for Back to the Filmography. <laughs> I cannot are. wait. Yeah. I'm so excited. I love that movie <laughs> so much. Um, we've got other stuff. We've got stuff to do. Yeah. But this is here. I'm glad we decided to do this. This is a short show because of our time change. You UK people have fallen back already. We don't fall back for a week. So we're... We've got to we've got to tighten it up. So this is good. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Thank um, you. And um, this, I'm so glad you came up with this idea. I am thrilled to spend this time. It, it 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 like you said, it lives in my world of these celebrating these small character driven stories in your world of being a completist. Exactly right. Yeah, make everyone happy. It's going to be perfect. So um, so Brubaker and Phillips coming soon um, to 2023 to Comics in Motion Area. But for now, enjoy this. I haven't picked, I, I mean, again, I've got dinged for songs. So I've been going back to the internet archive and finding some old timey songs. So I'm going to mm -hmm. find some old timey, scratchy 78 thing to add to this. It'll sound cool. It'll be something, you know, secret agent Manny or something. I just love this character. And again, imagine yourself in a dive bar, drinking oh, hands. Oh, and Sassy again, Dane comes and sits up next to you. And you know, Gwen could have her own series. This is she a could. book of spinoff series. It's just, I love it so much. It's, again, not my favorite, but I get why it's Bendis' favorite. I get why he's jealous. So people, Jack, if they wanted to hear you and be like, in addition to all those things I just mentioned, mm -hmm. and they wanted to read some of your stuff and they like had a search engine, what would the phrase they would type in to find everything of yours? Everything of mine is I am Jack's musings. That is my title 
internet handle and yeah you'll find everything i do and do you know that. if you google i am jack's musings did you know that your letterbox is your top hit i didn't know what well, i'm not really into the googling of myself but thank you for letting me know you're i, I well i have done it and uh, <laughs> i have done it because i was like is it i am jack's musings dot wordpress and so i just typed it in i am jack's yeah. musings and your letterbox comes up first all right so and read his letter. That is mostly where I live, to be fair. It is. And you've like watched 200 and some movies. You like say to me how many books I read in a year. <laughs> 200 and some movies. I've read 200 and some books. You've watched. Let's each shoot for 300 this year. Deal? Deal. Okay. By the end of the year, we'll, I'll have read 300 books and Jack will have watched 300 movies. And then I'll you'll be like, best. you guys are losers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, friend. I will see you soon. And to everyone, as Jack would say, be excellent to each other. Take care. And we'll see you soon. This is the city. It's a city of crime. My name is Friday. I carry a badge. 3.15 a.m. Thursday, January 15th. It was chilly that morning in the city of Angels. On this particular occasion, we happened to witness a pagan ritual in progress. See that stream act? We're just in time. We have stumbled into a major crime. They got the girl off right. Now that's not nice. I think she is the subject of a sacrifice. Buddy, we're putting this party on ice. But first you know we really ought to read them their rights. Read them their rights. Read them their rights. Well, I'm here tonight to rap about your rights. Because right now you're in trouble. Don't have to say nothing at all. Y'all got too cold and you better make them all the And it is our job to bust you all for being violent. While we are here, let's state it clear. You have the right to remain silent. Well, excuse me, comma, Mr. Crime Stopper, what is wrong with what you're doing? We just like to dance in our goatskin pants around this ancient ruin. Now, it's not so funny that it costs big money if you ever have to hire a lawyer. It's my duty to inform you and my pleasure to warn you. We'll provide one for you. Huh? serious crime and you'll probably be doing some serious time in case you might be worried about the friends you lose at least they get to see you on the evening news it's a new sensation we go down to the station you're gonna answer some questions and have some refreshments what is your full name well excuse me excuse me don't use abuse or refuse me it's no joke i'm broke for my rights i can and will invoke i'm homeland and i'm lonely but the state cannot I want money to take home to my honey.